0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
1: Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. <laughs> I don't know, was he any good, I
0: said. 103.9 FM, L.I. News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch
2: with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Our back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, it's a new show of the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, to can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Happy Thanksgiving to all the fans out there, all the people that celebrated it. Happy Thanksgiving to all, and now, It's Christmas time and Hanukkah time Time for Kwanzaa too A very fun December Hopefully it'll get cold, more football We have March Madness around the corner We have the winter meetings for baseball Jacob deGrom is no longer a New York Met A lot to get into Speedy, what's up man? I'm doing well. It was a great time that we had at the Night of
3: Hope event. A great cause indeed. So shout out to the Franchella family.
2: Yeah, it was a great event. We were very happy to be there. So many great people that were there and supporting. Just a great cause over there at SUNY Purchase in Westchester. It really was a good time. And shout out to the Franchella family and Starlight Entertainment for sponsoring. Just a great, fantastic event. We have a great show lined up for you guys. We will be talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Persick great personality big fan of our show so we're happy to have him on again I'm definitely going to have a yelling match with him <laughs> throughout the show so definitely stay tuned for Pete we'll get into the Jets winning 31-10 to and absolutely demolishing the Chicago Bears Mike White put up a show three touchdowns 315 yards and showed everybody why he's stealing Zach Wilson's job Odell Beckham visits the Giants and Bills and he will visit the Cowboys on Monday. Is Von Miller going to talk? And try to pull him in to the Bill Bills. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's either the Giants or the Cowboys. Three for all picks of the week. Aaron Judge reportedly 50 50 with the Giants and the Yankees. Maybe Aaron Judge is on his way over there to San Francisco. It is his hometown, it is his home team. He is from the Bay Area with his family. Jacob DeGrom signs a five year, $185 million contract with the Rangers, also a sixth year option, over $200 million. And he deserves it. I think. Jake is the best pitcher in baseball. When healthy, who's better than Jake? worked hard. He's one of those prolific, dominant pitchers in the league, so well-deserved to Jacob DeGrom. Moneyline Mania with Chaz West and Jonathan and John. How about this? The Four Horsemen. USA advanced to knockout stages the round of 16, where they faced the Netherlands on Saturday morning. USC loses to Utah in Pac-12 championship. I've been telling people this. I said that i wouldn't be surprised if utah wins again fantastic win by utah it's a shame williams could win the heisman this year he falls short from the final four he'll be back next year he Probably will be the number one pick in the NFL draft next year if he stays healthy. He put on a really big show against Utah. It just wasn't enough. Now, it paves the way for the Ohio State Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud, who a lot of people thought was going to be the number one pick this year. Who knows? Everybody thought this was going to be a great quarterback class. I don't think it is. With C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, who everybody thought was going to have a great year. He was the predominant number one pick. He's not going to be the number one pick this year. I believe that Bryce might even fall out of the top ten. So many... What ifs moving forward for the draft. And everybody thought that this class was better than last year's class. I think they were absolutely wrong about that. Let's get into the New York Jets. And we sit back and we speak about Zach Wilson and Mike White. We all know why Zach Wilson lost his job. And it wasn't because he played like crap against the New England Patriots a week ago. It was because after they lost that game in New England, Zach Wilson would not take responsibility for his bad play. Took the breath out of his teammates, took the breath out of the fans, and then Robert Sala had to make a decision. Do we bring him back against a really bad Chicago Bears team, or do we give Mike White a chance again like we did last year when Zach was hurt and he put up a 400 spot? Now his jersey, his cleats... And his gloves are in the Hall of Fame. Zach Wilson is definitely never going to see the Hall of Fame the way he is playing. But the players really love Mike White. And you saw it after the Chicago game. And we could go into the ins and the outs of the game and why the Jets just completely dominated the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium. But everybody thought that was going to happen. Justin Fields did not play in the game. Trevor Simeon was the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Jet fans. Do we all remember Trevor Simeon? He played one game. One quarter. For the New York Jets. There was no chance Trevor Simeons was beating that defense. If Mike White pulls off a win in Minnesota with that crowd of craziness screaming, if Mike White and the Jets... Come out of Minnesota on Sunday, you will not see Zach Wilson for the rest of the season. It is an absolute embarrassment how he didn't take responsibility against the New England Patriots. Absolutely embarrassing when Mike White was stepping off the field and you see Joe Flacco giving him a coat and Strevler standing on the sidelines. They're all looking at iPads, except the crybaby himself, Zach Wilson, who was sitting at the end of the bench wondering why he lost his job. And you see the players... You see how close they are with Mike White. You see how much they love Mike White. At the end of the game, when he was doing all these interviews, you have all these Jets coming up to him, hugging and flexing, and you didn't see that when Zach Wilson won a game. It shows you why Elijah Moore wanted to be traded. I'm not a big Elijah Moore fan because of the whole anti-Semitic thoughts. I'm really not a big fan of his, but the kid is a great player. And when you have those type of offensive players, you need to use them. And Zach, for some reason, has not figured out how to use these guys. Zach Wilson, who's ranked almost dead last in every offensive statistic. And Mike White, who's only played one game. And his passing statistics are amongst the league's best. Or in the middle of the pack. That is alarming if you're a Jet fan. If this team gets into the playoffs with Mike White, I could see the Jets in the offseason trading Zach Wilson. Definitely a possibility because this coaching staff has
3: done well with Joe Flacco, has done well with Mike White. Zach Wilson is the one one they can't coach. A lot of that has to do with the way he is. His stubbornness. He doesn't want to take accountability, responsibility for what he is. But Speedy, he loves watching films. He can watch it all he wants. He still has to improve on it. A lot of what he's missing is simple stuff. is isn't something that you always see on Phil. He's missing short throws, screen passes, slant routes. These aren't the most complicated things. It's, It's not like a case like Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo that's more of a basic type quarterback that doesn't have a lot of arm strength. Zach Wilson can make those tough throws, those throws on the run. What he's missing is the simple ones. And In a system that revolves around yards after the catch, a system that revolves around a lot of accuracy, it's very hard for those other players to strive in that kind of thing. You saw Elijah Moore get yards after the catch because Mike White was placing the ball in a good spot. Garrett Wilson, 95 yards In that game and was getting a lot after the catch, too. Now, Mike White doesn't have the big arm like Zach Wilson does and doesn't really have the deep accuracy. He doesn't need it. But you could get away with it with those kinds of concepts because of the scheme in some instances. Now you're right, the Bears' defense is awful. So we have to see him do it against Minnesota, who their defense in the secondary isn't great, but their front seven is good. And their defense is awful. They have Eric Kendricks, who is a good coverage linebacker. They have Harrison Smith who's a good safety. And what do you
2: think the Jets' offense is going to do? They're going to try to keep the ball away from those defensive players. It's not like they have depth. like the Jets do in every single area of their defense. I mean, Rankins is coming back this week. The offensive line is going to be at full strength. You have George Font coming back this week. The Jets are going to be at full strength this week. In the last five games of the season, they're going to need every single player on this roster to help out. I think Mike White is going to take this team where they need to be, and that's playoffs i don't think they're going to win a super bowl with mike white but i've seen crazier things i've seen nick Foles take the philadelphia eagles all the way to the super bowl and knock off the new england patriots and the tom brady's of the world to think that mike white can't do it he doesn't have to have a big arm nick Foles didn't have a big arm you don't need to be a prolific superstar at the quarterback position because we've seen quarterbacks win so To sit here and think that a backup quarterback, a quarterback that's accurate and can make every small, stupid play, Zach Wilson can't, you can absolutely win with him. I think the Jets have an opportunity this week to prove to everybody that they can compete against the best. And if they knock off the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, which, by the way, the Jets are a top three away team in the NFL, that tells you one thing the Jets could be away for the whole playoffs. They have the confidence. To go into any stadium, Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Miami, Cincinnati. They could go to any one of those stadiums for all of the playoffs. And the Jets could absolutely win those games. As a Jet fan, I would rather the Jets play away games all the way through the season and going into the playoffs. Why? Because it gives them the confidence. They're young. One of the top three young teams in the NFL. Their best players from Sauce Garner, 22. Elijah Vera Tucker, 23. Brees Hall 23 they're not even in this season just imagine what this team's going to be next year this team is ready to win this year next year they're going to be even better if they could stay healthy it is scary what the Jets could be and maybe Zach Wilson is not on this roster next year and he probably isn't the way it seems now Robert is trying to protect him he's saying that he believes Zach Wilson will see the light of day on this team again he is one of the leaders he's a guy that we look up to and we look for him to step on the field again as the New York Jet. I think he's just trying to make sure that the press doesn't bother him or bother them when they're making a playoff run and a playoff push. If Mike White wins on Sunday, which he very much could, you will not see Zach Wilson anymore this season. The other thing they're going to have to
3: be able to do in this matchup, the Vikings can stop the run. They're not in the top 10 anymore because the Dallas game rigged all that, but they've been consistently a top 10 run defense. Mike White is going to have to probably throw at a higher volume too. Now, he was accurate, completed 89% of his passes in the Bears matchup, but he's going to probably have to throw over 30 times in this matchup or they're going to have to try to run the ball creatively because Minnesota does have a good front seven. They got Zedaria Smith, Daniil Hunter, very good defensive tackle depth. They could decoy the corners very well because Minnesota doesn't have great corner depth, but the front seven is going to be a tough matchup, especially against the run, especially with an offensive line that's getting some players back, but they might still be a little rusty.
2: Odell Beckham visits the Giants and the Bills and will visit the Cowboys on Monday. What does that tell me? I think Odell Beckham should go back to the Giants. He never wanted to leave the Giants. Gettleman didn't want him there anymore. The Giants had one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL at the time they decided to move past him and trade him to the Cleveland Browns. He never wanted to leave the Giants. Never. He goes to the Browns, couldn't stay healthy, and then gets traded to the Rams last year. Did win a Super Bowl, but almost was the MVP of the Super Bowl before he tore his ACL. Befriended Von Miller. Von Miller believes that he can talk Odell Beckham into going to Buffalo Instead of the Cowboys or the Giants. I don't think the Bills have any chance, any shot to getting Odell Beckham. I think it's between the Cowboys and the Giants. He knows that division very, very well. He made his unbelievable catch on a Sunday night against the Cowboys. He knows who the Giants are. He knows what this organization's all about. I'm sure he likes Dable. I think he's one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. I think he fits better with the Giants because he's going to see more balls. Slayton's not 100% healthy. Shepard's out for the season. Shepard's one of his best friends. The Cowboys could use Odell Beckham. Gallup over there and CeeDee Lamb. The Cowboys have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Do I think the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl with Odell Beckham? Probably not. And I know Odell Beckham wants to win a championship, and his best chance to win a championship is with the Bills. But I don't think he wants to go to Buffalo. I don't think he wants to play in the cold. That's why he moved to L.A. That's why he wanted to be traded to L.A. He wants to be in the heat. Where does he fit best? That would be Dallas. There's a dome, and he has a chance to play in front of all those crazy fans. It's probably going to be the Cowboys. If I was Odell Beckham, i pick the Giants. I'm the number one target over there. You can help a young quarterback become more of an offensive throwing quarterback than a running quarterback. This has been a huge problem for Daniel Jones because he hasn't had weapons. You look past all the things that Odell Beckham did in the past as a Giant, all the stupid things, pissing on the logo, talking to a net. Fighting with Josh Norman. (laughs) Fighting with Josh Norman, fighting with Tom Coughlin. This is a guy that absolutely was a New York Giant. He is a New York Giant. He eats, sleeps, and breathes Giant football. You're a Giant fan, Speedy. Where do you want him to go,
3: I am hoping he comes back to the Giants. Now, mentioned last week, I think he'll end up with the Cowboys. Feels like a Jerry Jones type move plus a warm weather move. Now, there's benefits to all three. Being he won a championship with the Rams, how actively is he seeking that in comparison to previous years? Buffalo still has the best chance to win the Super Bowl. So if he's still seeking that for his legacy, Buffalo's the place to go. Dallas, bigger name. Jerry Jones there, the
2: endorsements. He's going to get all the publicity he wants. He loves the publicity. Hold on. Isn't Jerry Jones a racist? Is that what LeBron James says all the time? Because he was 14. 14 years old. He was protesting segregation when he was 14 years old in 1957. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and the irony is LeBron grew up a Cowboys fan because he's a front runner. He likes the Cowboys and he likes the Yankees. Yep. Two teams that actually won in the 90s. Nevertheless,
3: Odell's going to get the publicity and the fame definitely with the Cowboys. But the Giants give him the best chance to be a number one receiver and maybe get one more good contract before he retires, too. Maybe a three year deal, four year deal worth maybe 15 million a year. Yeah, he's not going to get $20 million a year anymore. He's older now and a lot of interest issues, but I think he can still get a $15 million a year for about three years. I think that's a fair contract, and if he wants the money, that's the place to get if it. If
2: he's 100% healthy, he's going to get the money. Now, is it going to be from the Giants? I don't know. Yeah. The Cowboys will definitely give him that money, and yeah. Zeke will not be there next year. They have Pollard there. He's still under contract, and if he isn't, they can extend him. He's not as expensive as Ezekiel Elliott. and Odell Beckham still has three or four good years left in the NFL. With his route running and his ability and his breakout speed, I think he could still play in the NFL at a top level. The question is, where does he go? Does he stay in the NFC East, somewhere that he knows the division as well as anybody does? Or does he go to the AFC East, where you have to contend with the Cold, the Jets, Miami, and the Patriots every Single year. If I was him, I stay in the NFC East. I can't see him going to Buffalo because he already won last year. I don't know if the championship is as big
3: of a priority as trying to either rebirth his career with the Giants, which I think he's the best chance to do, or just make himself a big
2: name again with Dallas, which the fame and all the popularity they get will help that cause. I think the Cowboys have the best chance to win this year out of all those teams. Everybody says it's Buffalo. We don't know what Josh Allen is. We don't know if he's 100 healthy. If he's not 100 healthy, there's no way in hell Buffalo wins because. They have no running game. Their running game is Josh Allen. They don't trust Singletary. And going into the playoffs, what wins championships? Running games and defense. They have the defense, if healthy. They don't have the running game. Josh Allen cannot be depended on in the playoffs. Teams know that he likes to run. They'll clog up the middle and make him throw the ball. And by the way, his arm isn't healthy after the Jets and Huff tortured that arm throughout that game. I don't know how good Buffalo is now because of Josh Allen's injury. The Giants have nothing. They have Saquon Barkley, an offensive line that's not healthy. They have a defensive line that's not healthy. Secondary that's not healthy.
3: And isn't that good right or
2: I think Odell should go to the Giants just because I think he wants to be there. But if he wants a win, I go to the Cowboys. All right, Speedy, our three-for-all picks of the week,
3: baby. We'll start with the Tennessee Titans at the Philadelphia Eagles. 44, the over-under. A.J. Brown revenge game. But I am taking his former team. I'm taking the Titans. I usually favor when it comes to good coaches, knowing they're a former players. Mike is a good coach. I usually favor the coach in this one. The Titans' defense has been very good this year against the run. I think they have the front seven to contain Jalen Hurts from running, too. And the Eagles have had issues stopping the run, too. So I think Derrick Henry has a nice game. So I'll take the Titans on the under.
2: Oh, I have the Eagles in this game. Jalen Hurts has a big game. A.J. Brown has a big game. Smith has a big game. I like the Titans' defense. They're not going to be able to run the ball as well as they have over the last couple of weeks. Derrick Henry will give you 18 points in your fantasy league. He might have a touchdown because they like to use him in the red zone. Tannehill's a horrible quarterback and I don't trust Tannehill to win the big game in Philadelphia. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles on the under.
3: More revenge coming. The Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers over under 46 and a half. Two former running backs on the Dolphins taking shots at the 49ers. Mike McDaniel there, but I'm going to still trust the 49ers in this spot because they can stop the run. They are the best run defense in the league. They're the number one overall defense in the league, and I do think they'll be able to contain one of Hill or Waddle enough to be able to make it harder for Tua. That offensive line, interior especially, is going to be a tough matchup against the Eric Armstead and Javon Kenlaw. So, I like the Niners in a close game in this one. I'll take them on the over.
2: I'm going to go with the 49ers, even though I think this is going to be a very close game. I wouldn't be surprised if Tua comes out a winner in this game. They have the weapons, they have Waddle, they have Hill. They're going to be able to throw against this team. The secondary, that's the weakest part of the San Francisco 49ers defense, because they have young Corners and a young safety. I think it's definitely going to be San Francisco's game to lose. I think Jimmy Garoppolo will do enough. I think they'll be able to run the ball in this game. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel is just a fantastic player. He isn't 100% healthy, but I think they're going to use a lot of Debo Samuel in this game because he can do so much in the open field. Give me the 49ers on the over. From
3: players getting revenge to teams getting revenge. AFC Championship rematch, the Chiefs at the Bengals. 52 and a half, the over under. Sorry, I don't think there's revenge here because it looks like Jamar Chase is going to be back this week. I'm going to take the Bengals here. Their defense has been really good, quietly good this year. Top seven in a lot of categories. Their secondary hasn't improved. I like their corner size against the Chiefs' smaller receivers. Kelsey, I think, has a nice game, but they have a lot of receiver injuries. The Bengals getting those receivers back against the Chiefs' young secondary. I like them at home. They end the Chiefs' winning streak. I'm going to take the Bengals on the under.
2: I have Kansas City in this game. I think Kansas City is going to go into Cincinnati in that nice little cold breeze and show everybody why they're the best team in the AFC right now. Patrick Mahomes will do enough in the game to make the plays that he needs to do to keep his team in the game. I think Kansas City is the better overall team. They've been the better overall team throughout the league. The only team that's been better than them this year has been Philadelphia. They're the best team in the AFC. I expect them to win this game. I expect them to win out and only lose two games this season. Give me Kansas City on the under. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was our three-for-all picks of the week. When we come back, our special guest, we will be talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings Radio Network analyst, Pete Bursett here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out our app on Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. Apple fans, go check our website out at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest. One that doesn't have any reason to argue with me. Two teams. Going into this game, our playoff teams. We are now talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio analyst, Pete Persick. Pete, what's up, bud? Gentlemen, how are you? We're good, man. The we're, Jets we're, are 7-4. and
1: four. I should be we're, happy.
2: We're sitting down just like Zach Wilson is on the bench. <laughs> well, no, he,
1: he was standing most of the time. Okay. <laughs> I, I did like the faces he was making. He looked like a clown. You can't win in that situation because, what, are you supposed to be happy that you got benched? What do you do? You're joyful. I mean, You're happy, I guess, that your team won. That's a tough situation, man, especially when the guy's out there spreading the ball around. The guy that replaces you is out there spreading the ball around and executing an offense. It's got to be tough to watch.
2: Well, Whoopi Goldberg's making another Sister Act 3 so he can hide <laughs> out and, and be a nun.
1: What movie's new nowadays? I'm 50 and everything I ever watch as a kid is is a movie now. You're only 10 years older than me, bud. Nothing so... new under the sun. <laughs> you don't look a day over 30.
2: Well, thank you. I love him even more. We're talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Bursick. Very well respected around the league. The guy knows his stuff. Definitely have to check him out throughout Twitter, throughout the social media networks. This guy is as good of an analyst out there. He's the Vikings voice. It's great what what he does. You deserve all the credit. So why don't we get into this game? This is a big game for both teams. The Vikings right now, they're 9-2. The Jets are 7-4. The Jets have a chance this week. A lot of experts like the Jets in this game. They match up very well against this Vikings team. Justin Jefferson has been one of the Best wide receivers we've seen since Odell Beckham was really on fire with that great catch that he made against the Cowboys and really spread the league on fire. You look at Justin Jefferson. You look at Sauce Garner. This matchup is definitely a matchup that people are looking forward to. What do you think could happen this weekend when these two guys collide?
1: It's going to be great to see. What's going to be interesting to see is... How Justin Jefferson has evolved throughout the season. We played the Philadelphia Eagles. You watched in the game before they were a four-man front. We go out to Philadelphia. They show up a lot of five-man front. They wanted to get the big kid, the new nose tackle, the, the rookie from uh, Georgia, in there. Darius Slay was rolled up, and he had help over the top, and they jammed him at the line of scrimmage. It's about interrupting the timing. They did a good job of shutting him down. And then we go play Detroit. Detroit did a pretty good job of it too. And I, Okuda was surprising. Long arm, he changed up the timing of his jams and disruptions. But for J.J., just like any receiver, and that's what I love most about the NFL, is you constantly have to evolve because teams no longer are going to just let J.J. free release. If you let him free release, you would try to play some type of single high, three deep. If you blitz, you better get there. But if you let him free release and have the field, he's too fast, he's too quick, he's too good, He is too good of a catch radius, he's going to get you. So a couple teams did that. Miami did a pretty good a job of it until I think the Vikings coaches figured out what they were seeing and they ran some man-to-man type beating routes. So for the Jets, it's going to be interesting to see if they take Sauce and roll him up and see how much JJ has progressed throughout the season. And he understands that he has to get better at certain things, and it's going to be a great battle. It's going to be interesting to see the Bears kind of threw his way a little bit on Gardner. The touchdown to Claypool should have been caught. I think there's opportunity. It's a very compelling reason to watch this football game. Not only do you have two possible playoff teams, but last time we talked was like in, what, August? Who would have thought we would have been talking now, other than seeing it on a schedule, and saying we got a potential <laughs> win the division this weekend if the Vikings win and the Detroit Lions lose. And you guys are in the mix of it in New York Jets. Mm-hmm. You've got to be just real.
2: Well, I did tell you that I thought the Jets were going to be in a playoff contingency when this game was going to happen. I thought it was going to be very, very important. I didn't know and how didn't, Minnesota was going to be. I and i got to give
1: you credit good. for that because yeah. you've been saying that, I think, before every season for the last 15 <laughs> years. And you got it right. One out of 15. Way to go, buddy. Probably the fastest defense I've seen on film offensive line they're not road graders but they're athletic they position block well the outside zone block very very well if you got outside linebackers who are going to keep contained the shot in the arm that mike white gave the jets offense i mean he spread the ball around 10 different guys caught passes that excites everybody hey this guy could actually throw me the ball. he beat the bears pre-snap he knew he's smart enough to know if i see this that i'm gonna do that his kryptonite is kind of that bootleg that should have been intercepted with white it's about disguising pre-snap and then making him uncomfortable after the snap but you could say that about any quarterback so that's what the vikings are gonna have to do and defensively we've been struggling dallas for god's sake we gave up 460 yards mac jones put up three points the week before against the jets before we played them and by the end of that game they were going empty and just letting them throw it. Are there issues? Yeah. Are there things that need to get fixed? Yeah. The league has changed where I think a team can look as poorly as we did on Sunday against the Cowboys and then come back and play as well as they did offensively against the Patriots. It'll be fun.
2: We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Bursick.
1: Aaron Rodgers gave me this mug. <laughs>
2: I'm sure he's not thinking that way now. Well, he's not relaxed, but he will be starting this week. The question is, how long is he going to be starting? Is he 100% healthy? Which we know he's not. He doesn't want to lose that job to Jordan Love because he knows that when he steps off that field and Jordan Love steps on that field, that might be the end of Aaron, (laughs) just like Brett Favre.
1: In Green Bay, maybe.
2: I think it makes a lot of sense, him going to Vegas. If they decide to part ways with Derek, he's a free agent. It makes a lot of sense where Aaron Rodgers could go right in there, Waller, Renfro, and now... Devontae Adams, I mean, you're a Super
1: Bowl contender. I know before the season started, it's the old chicken and the egg thing. Is it Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers? I learned back when I was coaching with the Vikings, when we had Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss, they both wanted to be number one, meaning they both wanted to be the highest paid because they both thought that they were the best player on the team. What ended up happening was they broke up, and it's the old saying where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Dante made Randy better, and Randy made Dante better. Randy pulled off coverage so Dante could run. Dante could throw that ball a mile, 6'5", 265, 270, you could throw a football a country mile, which helped Randy. And Randy's career turned out just fine, but it's like, what if those two would have just stayed together? And you think about the same thing with Adams and Rodgers, because the Packers did so much schematically to get Devontae Adams the football. And Rodgers was good enough to get it to him. The two of them were always on the same page. And the thing about Rodgers that's so dangerous, you think about the Chiefs and the quarterback scrambles, but he doesn't scramble to run, like Justin Fields. It's like, you want to pull Justin Fields aside and say, listen, dude, keep running like you're running, but just don't keep running stop and throw it any one of those because signs like Forrest Gump <laughs> you just can't survive in this league getting hit like you do you may be able to survive eight games ten games maybe one season but you're shortening your career by that and if you can scramble and move like you can and beat somebody deep if you can move in the pocket you're gonna slow the pass rush down defensive lines do not go into Green Bay at least they used to when Devontae was there but they don't rush Aaron Rodgers the same way they do Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins they're like we're pinning our ears back we know where he's gonna be we could play two man behind it no problem. Aaron Rodgers, he'll move and extend plays and the receivers know exactly what to do. He knows exactly where they're going to go and he could burn you on it. So that's how you extend your career. So for field, he's an unbelievable athlete. You got to throw the football and make teams pay. You'll get exactly what you want, and that's slowing down the pass right That, I think, is the key to quarterbacks now in the NFL is their ability to keep a play alive and do something with it, kind of make it up as you go. You asked me what time it was, I just told you. It's a great I get take. paid to talk. That's what we do, and that's why we love you. You get a little bit of a break. It's like you just <laughs> line them up and let them go. Maybe that's you how drink. you played
2: football. You were talking a lot on the field.
1: I didn't say a whole lot. I think that's why I talk so much now. I didn't want to, like, piss off John Randall or, <laughs> <laughs> or like, Randall McDaniel probably One of the best offensive guards ever played the game. 285 pounds. Wasn't that big. Didn't say boo. It was like the movie Blazing Saddles with Mongo. Remember Mongo? Yes. He was going to go see Mongo. The sheriff was going to bring his gun. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't shoot him. You'll just make him angry. It was the same thing with Randall McDaniel. Just don't talk to him. Don't make him angry. Because if you make him angry, make him angry i embarrassed.
3: Were you playing with the two Williams brothers, Kevin and Pat, when they were on defensive I was coaching tackle? at that. time. Right. Those two
1: seemed very intimidating, like you wouldn't want to mess with them either. Let me tell you a little story about Kevin Williams. I was working with George O'Leary, and it was really George O'Leary who found Kevin Williams. He found him out in the senior bowl and, and just fell in love with the guy and was at the front of the tip of the spear and drafting him. And Kevin Williams is huge, yeah. 6'5", 300-pound And he's like the smallest one in his family. We met his brother, and his brother dwarfs him. He refers to Kevin as little man. Kevin's just a country guy. He likes to go fishing and real slow. And then there's Pat Williams. And Pat Williams talks a million miles an hour. And a funny story about Pat Williams is when he was young, they thought he had a learning disability or that there was something wrong with him, if not for a grade school teacher who realized that he had a condition where he can't read black ink on white paper. Wow. It was like nails on a chalkboard for him visually. So she figured that out and then had all of his schoolwork printed out on red paper. And he was fine. Thank God for people in your life like that. But Pat talked a million miles an hour. You couldn't understand a word he was saying because he talked so fast. He had a little bit of a stutter, but he talked a million miles an hour. He and Kevin would talk, right? You had Master and Blaster. You got this big guy and this little guy. Neither one of them were like little, little, but Pat would... And Kevin would be like, yeah, you know, yeah. That's <laughs> and then you had Jared Allen. Their meeting room was like romper room. Romper I mean, it room, was, I remember it was that. Like, it was nuts. It was chaos. Speedy was wasn't emotion.
2: alive for romper room. Uh, but was it was great.
1: When you coach really good players, basically, I got to do is get out of the way. Let them go out there and do their thing. Making the average ones better. That's where coaches make their... There, hey I guess. I
2: wouldn't want to speak to Pat Williams on the field the way he no. hit you. <laughs> uh,
1: he'd come running off the field after a series, and he, he'd see guys sitting on a bench, and he'd be like, get out of there. He knows, man, coming <laughs> <here, come laughs> through, coming through, coming through, coming through. He had to get out of his way when he was coming off the field to the bench.
2: If he speaks that fast, but, I, I wouldn't but, want hey, to get involved with smart.
1: it. Smart. He knew football. He was smart about what was going on, knew what offenses were trying to do, knew how to read blocks. Very, very smart football player.
2: Kevin
3: O'Connell, when we last talked to you, we didn't know what he was as a coach yet. He's coming from the Rams, he was going to break some offense of concept. I thought he was very creative against the Patriots. They were maneuvering a lot of those guys around. What has been your impressions of him so far, and how do you think they'll have to be creative in order to attack this Jets defense?
1: Kevin has been complete opposite of Mike Zimmer in so many ways, and not that one of them is better or worse. They're both really, really good coaches, and they both win a lot of football games. I'm saying their styles can be as polar opposite as you can get. Kevin, he's a gifted speaker. Very, very good at taking something that's very complex and making it very simple. Very good about getting his point across. And you look at the Vikings this year, compared to last year. Last year, we set a record, and I believe it was nine games that we lost by one score. You flip that going forward, we've had all but one football game. Eight of our nine wins have all been by one score. What exactly is that? Is that the coach and the scheme? But it's, These guys believe in themselves now, and they believe in each other, more importantly. You can't just sit people in a room and tell them, you never give up, you never surrender, you got faith in, in the guy next to you, you're in that foxhole together. That stuff can't be taught, it can't be commanded. It's something that has to happen almost organically. But they found a way to win these football games. This is why I'm so excited to see what Cousins is able to do. Kevin O'Connell putting so much more on Kirk Cousins as a football player, knowing the game plan, knowing what he's going to see, having the responsibility of putting the team in the right position. It's nowhere near as simple as it used to be for him. Because for Cousins, it used to be just line up and execute the play that's called. Now he has say in things. Now he has to make decisions. Now he has to really know what's going on out there. And I think against the Patriots was the best example example of this offense working like that we've seen fits and spurts of it mistakes some growing pains those kinds of things it's going to be interesting to see how it goes against the jets and for the next five weeks because if this starts clicking for them offensively we can hang with anybody defensively yeah they're learning the three four a lot of new stuff they got to get more physical our defense they need to be more physical learning the techniques and playing them right especially in a three four which is new to a lot of them they can master that i think the defense can improve quite a bit we have some issues at corner with just bodies andrew booth jr our rookie corner just had knees surgery so he's out Cameron Dansler's has had neck issues had another rookie of Caleb Evans in there Duke Shelley who was with the Bears actually made a big play against the Bills for us and made a big play last week, big play against the Patriots. So realistically, you sit there and go how far can a team go with a, you know, with a rookie corner. Overall though, this offense I think is starting to click. I hope it's not the roller coaster ride that we've kind of seen over the last couple months, but we'll see.
2: We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Bursick. You were speaking about the corner situation for the Vikings. The Jets have a lot of prolific offensive talent. You have Garrett Wilson, who's becoming a star right in front of her eyes. Even with Zach Wilson throwing to him, he's been putting up the numbers. Now you have White, two touchdowns, 95 yards last week. was fantastic. You have Elijah Moore now waking up. You have the tight ends. You know Conklin very, very well. He's finally figuring out how to catch the ball with the Jets. (laughs) You have Davis back. You have Denzel Mims becoming a piece of the pie for the New York Jets. And then speed of this team. This is going to be a very hard offense for the Vikings to stop being that they have so many weapons when was the last time you could say that the Jets have weapons
1: back in the Brian Cox days <laughs> right they had Brendan Marshall and Eric Decker for one year it's been a while and you turn on the tape and you watch the film this is by far the fastest defense and I'm talking from the nose tackle to the nickel to the free safety to the dime everybody that they put on the field is an unbelievable athlete making run so you're not going to be able to run away from these guys you're not going to be able to just run outside and run away from them
2: what defense guy really scares you in the film that you've watched.
1: Quinn and Williams, we hear a lot about. I took a good look at the Bears game and it was John Franklin Myers. You guys kind of play the run on the way to the quarterback. The defense is upfield. They're very, very aggressive. I think those two guys up front, a good defensive front across the board. Nathan Shepard, they're in a system that fits them. The movement and the line stunts, if you don't have your footwork down or your technique down and your offensive line doesn't know how to pass off stunts and do some of those things, they could really be a long day because those guys are just such unbelievable athletes.
2: Pete, you know what stands out to me when I watch this Jets defense is the linebacker play. Everybody thought that this linebacker play going into the season had no depth. Mosley, over the last couple of years, has been fighting injury. He's really been healthy all season long, has been a huge leader for this team. Kawan Alexander, they bring him in. And then Quincy Williams, where they practically stole him from the Jaguars and I'm sure they're smacking themselves in the head how fast he is the ability that he has in the open field to tackle tight ends and do the things that the Jets have not been good at for years and that's why the Patriots have been demolishing them I don't (laughs) even want to mention that name that team I think Mosley has been really the face of this defense he's been fantastic sensational and I believe this year he is at an all pro
1: year I would agree with you on CJ Mosley that he's wherever the football is he is he's fast he's not afraid to hit somebody he's not gonna hit a guy and light him up per se but he's definitely going to be the spearhead he's definitely gonna get to the football and I know with Quincy Williams he's a very very solid football player it's nice when you're watching film and you have to rewind it and go okay wait which guy was that was that 56 or 57 the two of them play very well together and Quan Alexander very athletic the tackling and the physical part of the game I think he doesn't quite match a guy like Quan Alexander I would run at you don't want to away from Because mm-hmm. he'll catch you You just want to be physical And run at him But it's the whole group You got Jermaine Johnson A guy that I, loved, you know, I love Coming out of too. Florida State Fast He's powerful He can bull rush Michael Clemens What a find for them you know, Bryce, the Huff, uh, Bryce Huff Bryce mm-hmm. Huff Yes He uses his hands real well As a pass rusher And that's the kind of guy That Brian O'Neill struggled against How much is he going to be In the game Tanzel's smart Very stout and Taking on double teams Holding the point Quentin Williams Shepard Holding on double teams Or just making those Double teams last A little bit longer And then right behind you You've got a guy like Mosley. can run like the wind. It's a problem. You guys are aggressive. They don't read and let things happen and react. These guys are downhill. They attack. I like that about your coach's mentality is you want these guys to be aggressive and get downhill. Peel them back a little bit later. How well do the Vikings manage the blitz? How well do they manage the pressure? How well do you do with your protections? Do you allow free runners? You got your hot routes all straightened out because you got to make a team pay. The only way to really stop a team from blitzing you is to burn them, to really, really burn them. And that's the only thing that keeps defensive coordinators from wanting to blitz all the time.
2: I like what I see with Minnesota. I think they're dangerous offensively. They have arguably one of the best wide receivers we've seen since Calvin yeah, Johnson.
1: He's unbelievable and just want Kirk to throw him that 50 50 ball. Let him make a play. Most of the time he does.
2: I think Thielen is so important in this game if they plan to beat the Jets
1: because the Jets already know Jefferson's
2: going to see the ball 13 to 15 times. Kirk Cousins loves looking his way. I think Adam I, Thielen plays a big part of where this offense is going to go against this Jet defense.
1: Thielen's going to get the one on one, so Thielen's going to have. The mm-hmm. win. The guy that I think is the concern is T.J. Hawkinson. Part of why they brought him in was for the man-to-man type situation. Man-to-man, there's different ways to play it. You could play two-man where you play like cover two, just man underneath right. or you can mini-package it with the safeties playing games or play single high man-to-man and flood the underneath. We've struggled getting open in man earlier this season until we figured it out and were able to run some routes and different bunch formations and things that give that coverage issues. We struggled getting some people open and. I think TJ's the answer to that only because he's such a big body. Do you want to cover him with a linebacker? Good luck. How do you deal with that? The good news for you guys is if TJ's catching the football, most of the time he's just moving the chains. Jefferson catches, like Randy Moss, three receptions against Cowboys, three for touchdowns back on Thanksgiving in 88. It's like pick the way you want to die. That's kind of the Belichick thing. People use the phrase, make a team left-handed. It's like pick our battles here, and TJ Hawkinson is going to be a big part of what goes on on Sunday, especially if we see a lot of man-to-man. Do you want
2: me to predict what's going on? going to happen because I've watched the Jets play against pretty good tight ends, pretty speedy, good-handed tight ends. If Minnesota gets into the red zone, they're probably going to put a guy like Sauce on TJ Hawkinson. We've seen that this year. They like to put their big, tall, lengthy, speedy corner on there. They do have a lot of depth on that cornerback yeah. side with Eccles and mm-hmm. DJ Reed, who uh, people forget how great DJ Reed is. Michael Carter's a top 15 quarterback, percentage-wise, one of the better slot corners in the league. What a fine by Joe Douglas fifth round from Duke. They have so many corners that they can evaluate and move around. That's why this is such a good matchup for both teams. I think it's yeah. going to be fun. It's not going to be that high-flying type of game that everybody thinks it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a 30-21. I think the yeah. game is going to be like 20-17, to 24-20. It's going to matter at the end of the game who wants it more
1: and who is going to play down yeah. to the opponent that they're playing against. You've got a top-scoring defense going against top scoring offense a very good offense that's kind of the half of the game that everybody's going to want to see it's how many points can the jets put up with mike white and i think for the vikings the big thing is going to be force mike white into mistakes force him out of the pocket make him feel uncomfortable not like a bootleg to get him to make some mistakes because he has made them in the past if you can do that and get an extra possession or two that could change the game we like to throw the football even though i love dalvin cook i think dalvin cook is still the heart and soul of this offense and this team they like to throw the ball even if we're running the ball. well, we still like to throw the football. So if you guys are able to contain the passing game, I don't know if we'll go away from it. That's just Kevin O'Connell's mantra. We're going to throw the football. We're going to be a passing football team. It can end up being a long night for us if that's the case. Cook receiving against the Jets. Robert yeah.
3: Sala and his defenses have always had trouble with pass-catching running backs. We saw the Patriots definitely expose that. And yeah. that's a
1: byproduct of your man coverage. If you're playing man, you can line your receivers up tight and just clear half the field. You can just run everybody out of there and then have running back check through. Now, all of a sudden, he's one-on-one with the line Backer in a lot of space. So there's a lot of run after catch in that respect. And if you're going to have problems in man-to-man, that's where you want them, right? With checkdowns and running backs, not with receivers like the Ravens had in the past where they're just giving up 50, 70-yard passes all the time. Dalvin Cook, he could have a big day out of the backfield. It's just such an important part for you guys. The defense, and how aggressive they are. The play action is going to have to be part of it. Bootlegs, misdirection has to be part But for misdirection to work, you got to have some credit to it. So if you start running the football you're getting minus one, minus two, minus three, that kind of thing, it's not going to work. The Vikings offense, we played so poorly against Dallas. We just played their game. We did nothing to take them out of their game. On third down that night, we averaged about third and 13. Micah Parsons, you're going to let those guys, for how many third downs are there, for that many plays, when you're up by two scores, just pin their ears back and rush the passer. You just can't do that. They did a much better job against New England, and a lot of that was just being efficient on first. First and second down. The Vikings are facing third and fourth, third and five. Yeah, we can live with that. If you're getting us in third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines, be another long night. The other thing
3: that was interesting, too, is they do a lot of the bunch formation. So I know the Rams always did that. Did a lot of the three receiver sets with the bunches, but the Vikings
1: actually mm-hmm. did it where sometimes I see Cook, Hawkinson, and either Thielen or KJ Osborne. They do. The motioning of a back in and out of the backfield. You line up and empty, and you just go see is there a linebacker walked out covering them, or did the corner bump out? Because if they bump out, you know, at zone, if the linebacker goes out then you know it's man-to-man motioning pre-snap shifting those bunch formations it's all designed to tell one game it's designed to tell one game is designed to actually do something if they expect a lot of man-to-man then yeah i expect a lot of those bunch routes the dbs have to be able to pass things off you can't just play cat coverage and just fight through picks and fight through all those other things so wheel routes out of the backfield those are all your stereotypical man-to-man type beating plays. You saw that in the Super Bowl. It was a huge third down. They motioned the running back out of the backfield and saw the linebacker walk out on him. and then they just ran kind of a wheel route with them, mm. and they got a big first down against Cincinnati. So that's just that style. West a- Coast offense.
2: We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Bursick. I know you're busy. I know you're getting ready for Sunday. We really appreciate all the time as always. But- yeah, you're just
1: getting warmed up. Yeah,
2: can't. we are. Trust me. You have no idea how warmed up we're going to get. I've also been getting warmed up for the <laughs> matchup for the last <laughs> Up. He yeah. circled this Vikings
1: game down. Look at, look at him. Watch until the Jets' up. defense plays the Vikings. Wait, You're damn right. He did about 200 push ups before. I do got 400 push ups every day, man. Get the shine. So. and the machine yeah.
3: going. <laughs> Errol trying to catch up an upper body size to
1: Kevin Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's well,
4: get the tats nice hold on, and
1: shiny and dark. Hold on one yeah. second.
2: I've interviewed Justin Tuck a couple of times. And okay. Justin Tuck's a nice guy. And standing next to Justin Tuck, he hasn't really worked out as much as he used to as a player. I've told all the guys on the radio show, standing next to him, he He's a lot taller than I am. Mm -hmm. But size-wise, I'm just as big as he is. So Mm -hmm. these guys look at me, and they tell me, you think you're as big as Justin Tuck? I said, I'm 5'10". I'm 230 pounds. I'm pretty big. I've asked Justin. I've interviewed him a couple of times. I said, Justin, how tall are you? He says, I'm 6'4", maybe 6'5". And I said, okay, how much do you weigh? And he says, I think at the time after he retired, about 245, 248 pounds. So he's only 18 pounds heavier than I am, and he's like 7 inches taller than me. Right. So, yeah, I think I'm bigger than him. So this guy, because he's in love with Justin Tuck, absolutely <laughs> adores the guy. When I said that, he says, you think you're bigger than Justin? I didn't say I was bigger. I said, I think I'm more wider and put together than he is now because he's not playing in the NFL anymore. Everybody looked at me like I had six heads.
1: The thing is, is what Tuck can do when he's in a three-point stance. And not uh, yes. <laughs> is how fast he can run, right? That's yes. what makes these guys. Yes. So, but you're right. The league has changed a ton. And these guys, the, the defensive linemen, and especially the outside linebackers and the ends they look like Ridiculous. just big basketball yeah. players they're long they need long so they can get the separation but they still need to be strong like Zedarius Smith he's one of my favorites he's just big right he's not 300 his hands are yeah, huge just he's just strong he has this big deep voice that's a guy I want lined up next to me mm. because he's definitely just a big strong tough type of a guy but yeah they're just different you don't see the six foot two muscle hamsters anymore no. Right? you got to be able to move man you got to be able to run now when you say Bigger. You mean size-wise? You size, mean, like, size, get a bigger not, following on Twitter? No, I don't a, have a, a bigger following a bigger audience. than him, Don't throw me under the bus, Pete. You're the to... one that said <laughs> it. How am I throwing you under the
2: bus? I'm trying to stick up for myself over here, and I have everybody attacking me. And Justin probably giggled when I said that to him, too. But it's hey, okay. I, it's
1: one of those things where it's like, I got all my work out done when I was playing. Remember, of course. And you learn that no matter how big you are, there's always somebody Always somebody bigger. I'm surprised that Justin tucked it and rip a vein out of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I think Justin
2: knows. Knowing that I'm a champion boxer and MMA fighter, I don't think Justin wants
1: to grab me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Pete.
2: We actually interviewed Sean Merriman, who has a lights-out boxing UFC company. Where
1: were you when Romanowski was around? Not a lot. Romanowski would want to fight i mean back in that uh,
2: you're absolutely right that and shooting himself in the ass a million times so that's where <laughs> plexico burris got it from now it all makes sense that's but anyways my,
1: you know what the plexico burris mm-hmm. thing that's one of my favorite stories of all time because i know paul allen and i we were in new york He was playing with the giants and we met with the pr guy who comes in because the pr guys from the other teams come in they always ask you any questions on pronunciations anything like that and we're like okay so is it plexico or plexico mm-hmm. burris and he goes well he goes by both <laughs> <laughs> like no what are you gonna hit paul call him one thing and me the other it's Like, no, we need to know what officially behind the scenes people know, but it's a big deal that we pronounce people's names properly. you owe them that respect and we'd like to pronounce the names the right way. And when you have a guy go, yeah, it's Flexco, Plaxico, whatever. It's like, eh, tomato, tomato. It's like, oh my God. Don't ask it me was... how
2: to pronounce a name. I am the worst. We've had hockey players on the show. And oh yeah, forget that. Uh, I have been so bad. I've brutally murdered their name. And they're like, no, that's not how you pronounce it. And sometimes I just completely blop it.
1: Probably one of my favorite players of all time is Halepulavati Vaitai. I cannot right? pronounce <laughs> that. And, and Don't ask with me. The, he, he was with the Eagles in yeah. 2018 with the NFC mm-hmm. Championship game, and he went to Detroit. I got on Twitter, and I'm like, now I get to say his name <laughs> twice a year. And I'll literally sing it when I'm on the radio. <laughs> the first time you saw it, you're like, really? <laughs> and then you just keep saying it. Yeah, it's the best. Next
3: time the Vikings play the Buccaneers, you should search Vita Vea's real Hawaiian name. It's like 20 letters
1: long and try to pronounce that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> try to spell things off phonetically and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can listen to them, say their names, and then how it's spelled out on the flip card is different. Mm-hmm. So then you go see the a PR person, and they're like, Plexico, Plexico, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> tomato, like, tomato, whatever, whatever. you know, exactly. it doesn't yeah. matter. Whatever. Pete, we really so.
2: appreciate you joining us. You're a busy man. Good luck this weekend. Go, yeah, Jets. It's be fun. Hopefully, we get our eighth win, and I'm yeah. smiling. We get you on the show during the playoffs. We'll see how yes, well White 100%. can execute an offense yes.
1: with the crowd noise and everything else. But 100%. I think By the happen. way, your so, crowd we'll noise, I couldn't yeah, believe
2: it's... it when I watched the game against the New England Patriots. How loud the Minnesota Viking fans are over there. It's, fantastic. Yeah, it's
1: a small stadium. It's not huge. I mean, it's big. It's not Arizona big. It's not Dallas big. It gets loud. The old Metrodome used to get ridiculous. Yeah. My ears would ring the day after a game. It's not from getting hit. It was just from all the crowd noise. It does get loud. And we lost some momentum with the Dallas game because the fans up here are snake bit. Four Super Bowls, no wins. Here we go again. That whole thing. And rightfully so. When things don't look right. They get quiet. And so Dallas did that. But the way the offense played against New England, yeah, you're absolutely right. That stadium got and hopefully that'll be a big advantage.
2: I think it's going to be really, really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Good
1: luck, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, man. Anytime. See ya. The
2: great and powerful World of Pete. Fantastic. Really appreciate him joining us and giving us the time. Looking forward to listening to him on Minnesota Vikings Radio and hearing what he has to say about my Jets after they demolished that Minnesota Vikings team. You'll probably be trash-talking him all, all the time if the Jets end up winning. If I could call the radio part of that play-by-play, it would be absolutely hilarious because I just want to hear... What Pete has to say when the Jets win that game on Sunday. This is a big game for the New York Jets. This could really put them in a very good position. They win this week, they make the playoffs. Because there's no way in their last five games they can't win two games. I think they could beat Jacksonville. I think they could beat the Lions. I think they could beat Seattle. The only team that I think they probably will have problems with in the final game of the season is Miami. But we've seen the Jets play Miami in the final game and Miami somehow pull off that win. And the last time I remember it when they played Miami it was with Chad Pennington behind the helm they had a chance to make the playoffs and what happens Miami wins the game and becomes the number one seed in the AFC East that was the last time mm. the Patriots did not win the AFC yep, East there Brady got hurt Chad Pennington ex-Jet getting the number one seed with the Miami Dolphins not with the New York Jets so that's what pissed me off but thank you to the great Pete Bursick As always, when we come back, Aaron Judge sat down with the Yankees, supposedly offered him an eight-year, a little bit over $300 million contract. The Giants sat down with him on Tuesday. A lot of people believe that they might add a year or two from that eight years worth about $350, $370 million. When we come back, we'll get into that, and Jacob deGrom is no longer a New York man. He's heading down south, down to the heat in Texas. When we come back, we'll get into Jacob deGrom, Aaron Judge, and everything that's going to happen in the winter meetings this coming week here on the weekend crunch we are back ladies and gentlemen this is the weekend crunch i'm your host Harold marks my co-host Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio. Check out all our shows, all the stuff that we're doing on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. The snow's not back. This crazy weather. It gets hot. It gets cold. Five, six days ago it was 56 degrees. Now, last night it was like 36 degrees. I don't understand this weather. I just want it to be cold. I want the winter to come. Buffalo had six feet of snow a couple weeks ago. Why can't we get a little bit of snow? It's Christmas time. I want to see some snow on the ground, baby. But there's a lot of stuff going to happen even more in the winter meetings for baseball. The winter meetings are right around the corner and it's not going to be snowy over there because it's going to be held in the great San Diego. I did not think that Jacob DeGrom would be the first big name off the board. I thought it was going to be Aaron Judge first, then Jake was going, and then everybody else. But last night, Jacob DeGrom signed a $180 million contract for five years. and He's heading down to Texas, a team that seems to like spending money. Last year, spent about $302 million. This year now, has spent about $200 and some odd million on one player. Now, this one player is one of the better players in the league. When healthy. Is there anybody right now better than Jacob DeGrom when he's 100% healthy? The answer is no. But is he going to stay healthy? That's the question. And only Jake can answer that question. I don't know why he didn't sign with the Mets. I don't know what the Mets offered him. Allegedly, three years, 120 was their final offer. That was a pretty good deal. It's not... Max Scherzer money and Max Scherzer still even with Jake going to Texas and getting all that money and that extra year and possibly a six year option Scherzer's still the highest paid pitcher in baseball he's still making 43 Jake making 37 Garrett Cole making 36 you look at this deal if you're a Met fan you just lost the best pitcher in baseball to the Texas Rangers your owner who's the richest owner in baseball a guy that's not afraid of spending money spent a billion dollars in two years as he owns this New York Met team that he wants. To see win, he put up a number five years to win. You lost your best pitcher in free agency. What is Steve Cohen going to say about that? You think Rodon is going to be better than Jacob DeGrom? Do you think? Justin Verlander is going to be better than Jacob DeGrom. I like Justin Verlander. He won the Cy Young in the American League again this year. He is 40 years old when the season starts this year. He wants a two or three year deal. Would I give it to him? You have to now. If you can't get Rodon, which more than likely they won't, because everybody and their mother are going to offer him as much possible money they give him, because he's the best left-handed pitcher to go into free agency in about five years. Lefties don't grow on trees, buddy. I've heard all the Met fans. I can't wait until this off season. We're going to get so many pieces. You just lost a big piece to your puzzle I just don't understand why Steve Cohen didn't give him a counter offer. I think it was a terrible move by the Mets, and I think it's going to haunt the Mets.
3: I think three years 120 was definitely attainable to where the Mets are because they have to deal with Max Scherzer's contract too, and that would have been a $40 million average annual value, which is just short of Scherzer's. He's at 43. The Mets would have had to take on both those managements, so I think the Mets are trying to factor in, could they get a better combined value? Because if they gave him five years 185, that's definitely a risk for somebody who is injury prone. Yes, he's the best pitcher in baseball when healthy. The fact that they had to manage all that in addition to other injuries too because the Mets always have injuries that's going to make it hard for them to be able to be a consistent contender now what is the combined value talked about a couple weeks ago with Aaron Judge too if the Yankees could get other combined value and then go after a big fish in another free agency unfortunately the Mets do not have the same level of prospects that the Yankees do and the Mets are also bad at finding gems like the Yankees are so the Mets are going to have to make this kind of thing work since they didn't pay to grab now I thought it was a little much for a five-year deal that Texas gave them they're not really in that kind of contending position maybe they're squeaking as the last wild card but they're not a great overall team. The so. Mets
2: are in trouble, and you're going to try to sell me that the Mets shouldn't be upset about this? I don't know what to say to you. They're definitely going to have their work cut out for them because Carlos
3: Rodon is going to get a bidding war because he's the best lefty by far in this free agency market. There's a lot of teams that are willing to give him five-year deals seven-year deals, too, because he's Does still Does he want to be a Mets?
2: If you have the Yankees and the Mets pitching to you, who do you want? More than likely, he wants to be in pinstripes. The Mets haven't won anything. The Yankees... Won five championships in the last 30 years. The Mets, the last time they won was 40 years ago. Not only those two. We've heard the
3: Red Sox. We've heard the Padres if they trade some of their pitchers. Always the Dodgers. Rodon is a guy that you could keep a long time, too, because he had most of his injuries earlier in his career. He's been very healthy the last three years. That's going to make the price even steeper. If you're Steve Cohen, you definitely have to make that your priority. Verlander probably only doing a one or two-year deal. probably going to be Verlander. I don't know if I necessarily would want that, but if they could stay healthy, he's fantastic, too. The Mets are stuck in a process right now that they're going to have to hit on some gems, and regardless of who they end up signing at free agency, the combined value of everything to get some balance will be the key for the Mets,
2: because they are a big market team, but they're still not yet a well-oiled machine like teams like the Braves, Astros, the Dodgers. And then there's Aaron Judge, who right now is reportedly a 50-50 player that could go to the Giants or the Yankees. I don't think it's any other team. I think those are the teams that are going to try to have a bidding war. He's not going to take a home field discount with the Yankees, because he is from the Bay Area. He is from San Francisco. San Francisco has a lot of money. The ownership wants Aaron Judge there. They want him to be the centerpiece of that organization. They already said that if they bring Aaron Judge in there they're probably going to bring Brandon Nimmo as the center fielder. They're going to solidify that defense in the outfield to be one of the better defenses in the National League. The National League is going to get better. If Aaron Judge, Brandon Nimmo goes to San Francisco, Jacob DeGrom is heading to the American League so you won't have to deal with Jacob DeGrom that much in the National League. The National League is in a better position. The Mets and the Yankees could be losers this offseason. Because the Mets just lost their best player. Yes, he's fighting injury, but he is the best pitcher in baseball. For anybody to think that he wasn't, for any Mets fan to make an excuse, I don't want to pay him $180 million, you're an idiot. It's Jacob DeGrom. And if the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, he's one of the best players in the league. And their best player. And he goes to the National League. The Yankees and the Mets would be losers this offseason. No matter what they do. And you talk about how Steinbrenner And Stevie Cohen, two of the richest owners in baseball. I don't want to see Aaron Judge go, but I don't want to see the Yankees overpay him. I don't want to see the Yankees give him eight years where they put themselves in salary hell. Hal's going to say, I don't want to spend the extra money on this player. Otani when he becomes a free agent or a Soto, because I just gave Aaron Judge $380 million. And I have to wait until Giancarlo comes off our salary cap. Or we decide to trade one of these pieces like Labor Torres. The Yankees have a good farm system. They're one of the top 10 farm systems in baseball. Volpe could be up this year. Perezo looks like he's a great defensive player. Could be the future shortstop. Maybe they've moved Volpe to second base and they trade Torres. They're probably going to lean towards their young players so they don't have to open up their pockets, especially if they have to pay Aaron Judge $350 million. Do I think he's going to the Yankees? No, because if he was going to the Yankees, he would have taken the offer. I think he's waiting for San Francisco to give him a little bit of a boost, twenty twenty five million. $25 and off he will go. Eight
3: years, three thirty was their projected market value. Either one of the two things are going to have to happen: the Yankees will have to give him an extra year, maybe an extra incentive within the contract, or they're going to have to up it something like three forty. Which I don't know if Brian Cashman's going to want to
2: do. He's not doing that.
3: And the other thing he could try to do is maybe shorten the deal and with more average annual value—a five or six-year deal with forty-five million a year. With the Yankees having more backloaded contracts with Garrett Cole and John Carlos Stanton later, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that kind of thing either. Now, Garrett Cole as an opt-out continues to regress. Maybe. They they get out of that contract, but Stanton still has seven more years, even if they do make him a DH. So the Yankees, yes, they have the prospects, but they're still in a tough predicament. Where
2: do they want to spend that money? I think the Yankees should trade. I do not believe they should bring back Aaron Judge. I think they should wait until next year's offseason. There is a ton of good players that are going to be available. You have Soto, Otani. talking about two of the best players in the league. Tani, who really hasn't played in the playoffs. We don't know what he is in the playoffs. is a playoff player. But imagine Otani with his popularity in a New York market. Oh my god, the Yankees would love that. Otani. and <laughs> (laughs) and And Soto in the New York market. Could you imagine them get both of them? Now, I don't know if the Yankees are going to pay two players $400 million each. They could get one or the other, and maybe it's best they let a 31-year-old player like Aaron Judge to go home, to go to San Francisco. The guy stayed healthy for the last two years. He's done so well with the Yankees, and he's the face or one of the faces of baseball. But again, I can't sit here today and say, I'm a Yankee fan, so I want to bring back my player, even though I think it doesn't benefit the Yankees bringing him back. He had one of the worst... First playoff runs we've ever seen a player have. That scares me when we're offering him or paying him $330 million for eight years. I think that's ridiculous. Yep. As good of a player as he is, and he's a great player player. It still bothers me. This player is going to get $100 million more because he had a season that he had. Now, I'm not going to take that away from what he did. I'm not going to begrudge him because he's making the money. And he's taking the money. I don't question anybody trying to make money for him and his family. The Yankees made a big mistake because two years ago when they had the opportunity to extend him, they should have extended him. And now they put themselves in a bad situation where now they have to overpay somebody that isn't probably worth The eight years, because maybe in the next four years, he'll be one of the best hitters in baseball. He stays semi-healthy. But after that, four more years, you're paying a guy that's not going to be healthy. He's not going to play in the outfield. He's probably going to be an everyday DH. That is not worth $300 million.
3: I said the same thing at the time about Pete Alonso. I wanted the Mets to get his extension done right away two years ago, like the Braves are doing with their young players and several other teams. It's the new wave of the league, and that's why they have a lot of money, the Braves, and the Mets are right on the brink of the luxury tax.
2: I believe Aaron Judge before Christmas will be either a Yankee John, Jacob DeGrom made his decision. First domino to fall. I thought it was going to be Aaron Judge. Everybody thought it was Aaron Judge. I thought it was going to be Verlander. But now that DeGrom fell, I believe now it's going to be Judge. Then it'll be Verlander and Rodon. Everybody is going to fall into place right after the winter meetings. The Mets are going to have to make a splash. Maybe they go after Verlander and Rodon. You lost the best pitcher in baseball to one of the worst teams in baseball. That tells you a lot about how bad this weekend has become for the New York Mets. Being outbid by a team that doesn't have anywhere close to the money that your owner has. When we come back, Chaz and the boys are back, and it's the Four Horsemen. Chaz, Wes, Jonathan, and John. The two Johns are back here on the Weekend Crunch. (laughs) We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app if you have an Android, and search Worldwide Sports Radio. If you have an iOS and an Apple, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com check out all the shows that we have everything rolled up in one right at your fingertips we have the handicappers the best in the world, the best throughout the country, these guys are as good as anybody they're at 84% since we started with them we call this segment Moneyline Mania
5: this is
2: Moneyline Mania which has and the crew Shazimoto.
5: what's up? Buddy. I have a crew. I don't always need my crew. It's not like the Crips and the Bloods or something. We're sports betters, for heaven's sakes. We've had Reno Johnny. He's always going to be Jonathan from San Antonio to me. But he's Reno Johnny. He and I are both writing for uh, Vegas Insider. Actually, he was their number one handicapper. John from GMF Sports. Not only is he getting cocky with his videos on social media, he's showing the dollar amounts, too. And then, of course, we got Blackhawk West just jumping up and down. He really believes deep in his heart that the Buckeyes can beat Georgia we should start with the guys that are in circa so all three of you guys have some kind of Vegas contest going right
6: the first game I'm going to talk about is the Titans Eagles game a lot is made of Henry and the rushing attack of Tennessee and Tennessee can really ugly up a game this is a four and a half point spread Tennessee is 12th in the league in rushing and Philly actually averages more rushing yards the main number that has me on this the points average by both teams Philly is averaging 27 and a half points a game Tennessee is averaging under 20 a game in fact Tennessee has only hung over 23 times Philly is only not hung 20 twice in order to beat Philly Tennessee is going to have to find a way to score at least 21 points and hold Philly I don't see that happening and the popular pick Tennessee is going to cover Philadelphia just had a really tough game against Green Bay they don't take that lightly they look terrible against a terrible team I think that the four and a half is a gift here I think Philly's going to win big. I'm laying the four and a half points. Tennessee is a good team to take in certain spots, but not in this one.
5: Philly, 10-1 and one at home. The game's gone over. 10 out of 11. Yeah, Same quarterback.
4: I'm going to jump into the Kansas City game here. Interesting stat. Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost a game in November and December in the last 26. The last time he lost a game in November and December was back in 2019, November 10th. On the road, he actually has a better record where he's 24 and 15 against the spread here. Kansas City, I'm taking this spread here, even though I normally don't like them because they normally don't cover the spread. I'm going to take them here, two and a hook. I'm not sure what it is on Circa. That's on my book line. I have to check the Circa line. For that, but I'm gonna take them both ways both money and circa. There with those numbers and those odds, it's hard to believe he's actually in his career 32 and 4 in November and December.
5: In their last nine games this year, Cincinnati at home ain't one against the spread.
4: Those two games you mentioned
5: are the, my two most looking forward to games.
4: Joe Burrow has a very impressive against the spread record, too. At yeah. home. Cincinnati is still fighting for that wild card. Is Chase coming back? Not confirmed yet. That's a game changer if he can get arguably one of the top right receivers back in the
5: game uh jonathan
0: i think chase is coming back i think he was supposed to come back last week we'll start off with oh raiders Give me the Raiders. I've actually been on the Raiders last couple weeks. They've been good for me. They're only 5-5 five and five against the spread on the season. They're playing against the Chargers, but they're at home. After back-to-back weeks and finding their identity behind Josh Jacobs, I expect them to do that again. LA Chargers is not a good run defense since when they lost to the Colts and Derek Carr kind of came out. And there's a couple things in this league, right? You can either fall apart like we saw Mac Jones passing the ball more. I guess 36 times is not enough in the game for him. I like Derek Carr's attitude to understand their 4-7, and seven, but I feel like the desire there— between him and Devontae Adams. Like they want to win. Josh Jacobs is running really hard. Joke is in a contract year. He tends to just show the heck out and what, he hopefully he can continue this. But I look at this as a team that let's get behind Josh Jacobs, run the football, hone in on that identity. I do like them as a They're short minus one at home. It's two back-to-back overtime games. They were able to find a way to win. When I look at this trend as the Raiders, five and one against the spread, facing teams with a winning record. They play up to the competition, down to the competition competition in this situation. I'll back them here at, at home. 4-7 and seven does not mean they're out. I'll back them here at a short home price.
5: Neither of these teams should be in the playoffs. If they make it, there's something wrong with the world.
0: I do like the Raiders. I've been a Derek Carr fan ever since his president of state days. Devonta Adams, too. Me and my small schools and my mid-majors getting a little love. I tend to cheer for those guys hard in the NFL as well. NBA, wherever they make it. I like them. I see Carr as a guy that puts in the work. It just hasn't really happened for him yet, and I feel like this could be one of those years could be that turning point here.
5: Isn't your biggest issue, Wes, the coach?
0: There's a handful
6: of coaches I take issue with, but the
0: Raiders, you look at how many coaches Derek Carr has had,
6: that's just not a winning recipe. This yep. is a Hall of Fame quarterback. If he had had the right support behind him, the organization has no problem going out and getting players, buying their way up in drafts, making trades. That Khalil Mack trade should have set them up and had them at perennial playoffs contenders. I never thought that they should have brought John Gruden in. Not because he's Gruden. Not because of how that ended. But they had a winning record before they brought him in. Yeah, Del was good. It. And he was a winner. And he knew how to coach some D. They certainly would have been tougher. I'm with you on the Raiders. The league needs a villain. And they're the perfect villain to have.
0: You're not going to have any problem bringing in guys. You're in Las not Vegas. You won't. You're at the entertainment capital of the world. People are going to want to go play for you. You have no problem bringing in people. Not a lot of people seem to agree with me on Derek Carr. Nobody realizes the amount of turnover over his experience in his career. Think about Tom Brady. What makes him great? same coached for 19 years. Well,
4: unfortunate with him for the coaching situation, but I think when you look at the AFC, you have to, number one, go to Kansas City Chiefs. So now you're looking at Patrick Mahomes. Now you go to Josh Allen. You have to put those at your top two. So where do you put yourself as an AFC team as far as attracting players to when you go there? I think if anybody's going to go to a team, to any conference, you're going to go to the NFC. Obviously, they lure Devontae Adams in coming in, but there's been a lot of mishaps, not only with the Raiders, but the way they handle the organization. They don't know how to act. Disappointment. I love the Raiders. They did nothing but let me down for Circa. They sure did! They burned us. That's one of the only teams. They gave me four losses in Circa this year. Dead to me, baby! So I'm not supporting that. I like Derek Carr. I think he's terrible at second reads. I don't understand the whole hype. I get they have Waller and these other injury issues. I'm sick and tired of making excuses for this organization because I was the one doing that. I think they should trade him. I understand it because it leaves both about winning. And I'm just talking about Casey and Buffalo I have to talk about San Diego who has Herbert Joe Burrow. Tennessee. They have to win that division outright and if not, you're looking at a wild card for the rest of the five, six years? Nah.
6: With the Raiders winning that division, it's less about Derek Carr. You look at organization, you look at what the Chiefs did this year, they knew the strategy to beat them was going to be to run the ball down your throat and kill the clock. Look at where the Chiefs rushing defense ranks this year. They went out and got tougher against the rush because they knew that that was going to be their kryptonite and they made that move. They didn't pay Tyreek. They knew, why are we going to pay a $30 million wide receiver? So in order to get to the playoffs, the Raiders got to figure out a way to beat the Chiefs. Or at least
0: not get beat by the Chiefs. As long as Mahomes is in Kansas City, I don't know who's going to win that division.
5: He's still a young kid. He's not even close to being old. There's some things
4: he's probably not able to do yet. So you're talking five or six years, bare minimum.
6: He does no wrong in this city. My son is four months old, and he's going to go to Patrick Mahomes High School. I have no (laughs) doubt. Mahomes just had a son and it was like the opening scene of The Lion King. Yeah, I believe it!
4: six years as a wild card, or I think if they're going to be the Raiders, you spend the money and you go all out. I get the Adams' whole situation, but you haven't really went all out. Now, what are you going to do? You still have the same old coach, you just you just signed a contract for him, you're bringing him back. That's a little bit of continuity, but what are you going to do in the terms of free market agency next year to propel yourself past Kansas City and even Chargers at this point? Because I would put Chargers and Raiders in, in the same category. I'd put them 50-50. Called,
0: is he in a contract here? He has an I've option for next year. He's going to stay. They brought Devonta Adams for him. They are like they are like best friends. I work with a guy that is an alumni from Fresno did play in the NFL and he says like it's not like an act they really are really good friends. The story came out they almost died together or something kayaking. Derek Carr is not going anywhere because Devontae Adams is there because of Derek Carr. Josh McDaniels is not a great head coach we saw her in Denver they were cheating quote unquote <laughs> videotaping where that's when they were doing good. That's oh you an ex-Patriots oh. coach was cheating? Nah that can't happen. The
6: only coaches <laughs> from the Belichick tree that are worth anything are the ones that were part of that Browns team that Belichick never saw through. Saban and Ferent. In the last 10 or 15 years, Belichick, you're not getting Belichick.
3: His best disciple was his former player, Mike Vrabel.
6: Right, but he never coached for them, right? he never
3: coached. Only coached Houston as a linebacker
6: coach. Where did Mike Vrabel go to college? Ohio State. The one I'm looking at is San Francisco and the Miami game, and and all I've been hearing for days is Miami is going to go into San Francisco and get a win, and San Francisco is a four-point favorite. The very first place that I look when I am breaking down a game is I look at where the money's being laid. The spread opened at four and 72% of the tickets on Miami, and the spread is still at four. So there's money on the San Francisco side of things keeping that line at four, or the house is totally comfortable being exposed giving up four points to Miami. I like the San Francisco side. But then you start to look at stats, and there is almost no stat that makes me like Miami better than San Francisco. San Francisco's got the number one defense in the league. They're number one against the rush. They're not allowing a ton of passing. Their pass rush is good. But then when you look at the way that they have the ability to score points, Miami's defense is not the best. And then they're traveling across the country. I love the Niners in this spot. The Niners are sitting in a great position. I think that they're the best team in the NFC, unquestioned when they're totally healthy. Forget Jimmy G that team is too good for Jimmy G to bring them down and he's been to a Super Bowl an NFC Championship game so you got a quarterback playing with a chip on his shoulder you got a team traveling from Miami to San Francisco 72% of the tickets on Miami I'm going the opposite I'm laying four points and I think San Francisco is going to own them
5: six straight games Miami on the road has given up 27 points boy that kid Jimmy G seems like he's doing okay for a guy that really got a raw deal he was a good Catholic boy he said his prayers he went to confession everything's good
0: I mean Kind of a jimmy G guy too. I mean, I think people always look at like raw numbers. People at his hey, he's a game manager. Well, he's one hell of a good game manager. If you look at his starts, he's on pace to go Montana percentage of winning games as a starter. And in the time that he's been there and maybe been hurt, the Niners have like a thirty-two percent win percentage. One hell of a game manager. And if he's gonna win you sixty percent of your games, remember he, he had a run.
5: Hard.
4: Yeah, one is his first
3: five games as a San
0: Francisco 49er. It was almost double digits
3: or oh, yeah, something If you include the Patriots, I think it was yeah. 9-0, yeah.
5: yeah.
4: San Francisco actually has a number one defense as far as points allowed for the season. You know what I
5: like about San Francisco in the second half? They turn on the faucet of the defense and they just smother people.
4: They have that young kid like a Troy Palomalu Jr. Yep. He looks good. I like him.
5: You guys play a lot of money. I've been in the contest, but it's been a few years since. Cause me in contest, my gambling style just doesn't fit. But I had to give it a try. I gave it a try. I gave them the money. They didn't give the money back when I stunk. I didn't do it again. But when do you got to have your plays in by?
4: Saturday, 4 o'clock. Are you in Vegas? Yeah, I'm in Vegas. yeah.
5: I use a proxy.
4: There's
0: a couple of different packages you can buy. I have to get them in by midnight my time.
5: Well, here's a good referral. So for next year, Jonathan, you check out GMFs because yeah, he does that. He's I, a proxy.
4: I do it all the way up to 2 p.m. on Saturday. So if you need a proxy, yeah. let me know. Take care of it. All you got to do is
5: I, send I, him
4: a
6: yeah. screenshot
4: at midnight. All right, uh, second play, John. I'm actually going to go with the Jets first half. They are the most profitable team. Nine and two against the spread this year, first half. Seven and zero run. Yeah, tied with Tennessee. Yeah. Mike White, four starts. 28 points per game during his four starts. Kirk Cousins, 37 and 37 against the spread as his record with the Vikings. I'm not a believer in him. Vikings are only five, five and one against the spread this year. The number at three, normally you try to stay away from the Jets, but this is something where I'm going to jump on the first half. I might even put them on my circuit play, but I'm going to follow the trends, follow the first half. They're also 4-1 and against the spread on the road this year. Full game.
5: Wes, was Minnesota one of the teams you said to start fading? Buffalo was one of them. Philly was one of them that goes
6: against my play this week. Play New England every single week and take the points. .75 unit laying the points or taking the points, and then it was a quarter unit on the money line, New England. And that yeah. one's proven really profitable, too. Reno Johnny.
0: Detroit Lions. every week i feel like i'm on the same two teams and one of them is the commanders i kind of stopped being on the commanders once they become favorites i was like i don't like them anymore they're still covering i'm back on the lions i think the lions they've done really well all season long they've had a pretty good offense been able to kind of keep pace jacksonville's coming off an emotional win last week against the ravens yeah they went Regularly for two down 19 to 10 the ravens are ever up by two scores in the fourth They'd them money line <laughs> five times this season. It's pretty remarkable. But I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars now hitting the road to go to Detroit. Off that emotional win at home, and they're facing a Lions team that I think is pretty good. First off, Jacksonville comes in at just 5-13-1 in the last 19 games overall, dating back to last season. So they have not been a good cover team. You look at the Lions, they've covered their last four games. They're 8-2 in their last 10 at home. They put up a ton of points, more points at home than they do on the road. I think Jerry Goff might be one of the most underrated quarterbacks. I understand what they start. I understand the record, but a lot of that defense gives up a ton of points early on, but he's been able to put up points. He did it last year. He's doing it this year, and they may not have the most explosive guys. I think like Amon Rossi down kind of came on. They got rid of their tight end. Hawkinson leaving still hasn't really hindered the fact they can score the ball. They put up 25 points last week against the I think they're a team that just can put up enough points. I think one's a really good deal. Fading the Jaguars off a pretty emotional win last week. And so I think when you look at coaching, I like Peterson, but Dan Campbell makes me want to run through a brick wall. Like, I feel like I'm suiting up for the Lions just hearing him talk. And I feel like that's a super infectious feeling. Like, I don't care how many games the Lions are down if they're out of the playoffs, in the playoffs. They're always going to give 100%. So I feel like they're going to be a pretty good bet even when they're eliminated from playoff contention. I'll take them again. I think I've been. On them, like all but like two weeks. It's-
5: you mentioned the 25 points at home. That's the least they scored. Eight out of nine, they have scored at least. 25 points at home. Remember the beginning of the season, they were really like two different teams. Now they're starting to play a little better on the road.
0: They lost the game. They scored 45. Their defense has really been worrisome. I think the Lions are a great bet on team.
4: Also, Amon St. Brown missed a game here, a game there. Traded Hawkinson to the Vikings, which kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. I really like Hawkinson. I thought he was an excellent tight end. I don't think they really utilized him. If the Lions'
3: coaching staff, can you really trust a lot
0: of out of it? They traded him, and they won the first game without him. And the other tight ends, I think, caught two touchdowns. no credit in this and some of the lines been hurt this year one game i think the top three receivers were all out. It's still yeah. won that. I don't feel like he gets nearly the credit that anybody else would get if that was who they were throwing the ball to. I had a
5: thought four of us could do an Ohio <laughs> with the O-H-I-O. We don't have any Ohio State footballs left at championship footballs because we sold every single one we have. So I'll I'll I- order some more. Nothing wrong with them winning again. If they play Georgia next week, I'm going to be betting them heavy. What you saw down the stretch in the Pac-12 is why people make fun. Of the Pac-12. I like Utah. Who did they lose to? They lost a game in Florida. Week one. But remember how, too. It wasn't just they got beat. (laughs) That was a weird ending.
0: And they had a chance to win it. It was a pick in the end. Out
6: of all the Pac-12 teams, Utah
0: would blend right into the Big Ten.
5: I love that coach.
0: The other game was at UCLA, but they put up like 500 yards of offense. They just had the most untimely turnovers. They are in the playoffs at least one of those games. They beat Florida. Even with the loss to UCLA, they're in the playoffs. They started season number six.
6: I think UCLA is going to be an interesting one with Thompson Robinson moving on and what Chip Kelly can do because DTR is really the first quarterback that he's had and yep. and he's taken a different approach in Oregon just the flash and dash that they had going on no. He's going to try and bring that to UCLA with DTR going I don't know if he's recruiting for it but that'll certainly get a little bit more attention to the Pac-12 so I think he tried it
0: I think when he first got there with DG, he tried that it wasn't successful so that's when he kind of him back in with his personnel he was like the pithier guy. There's
5: no doubt that Chip Kelly loved the fact that Utah beat USC because this guy came in and one year did what Chip Kelly hasn't been able to do.
0: I like winning hands so I'm at number six. This is one game and you're in. It's one of those what is because Cam Rising is gone too. Right? He's a yeah. senior. This was that year for Utah.
6: Cam Rising, the last rankings I looked at, is projected to go in the 7th round, and he's ranked 24 out of all the quarterback prospects. Somebody is going to steal him in the draft. He's 6'2", he's got a build, he makes good decisions, he plays a gritty brand of football. I don't know what his pro career looks like, but somebody's going to steal him in the 6th round.
5: He looks like a safety more than he looks like a quarterback.
6: I continuously, for years... Have referred to Oklahoma as Choklahoma. Maybe it's Chokin Riley.
5: That's it. There yeah. you go. Any organization, at some point, you got to go to the top of the pyramid, right? Got
6: to start somewhere, right? Overrated,
0: but at least I'm rated.
5: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what he did this year will get them over losing this game. Their fan base is rabid now. They can smell it.
0: Caleb hey, Williams is going to come back. He has one more year before he can get drafted. It's not like
5: there's not a little bit of nil money in Beverly Hills either. Yeah, there's a lot of money
0: there too. One game we didn't talk about: Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson and making his long-awaited debut. The NFL, in all their wisdom and glory, suspends him the perfect amount of games.
5: How do they know these go things?
0: Go to Houston. It's kind of insane. How
4: the schedule worked out that way. Are
0: y'all on this game at all? Because I looked at it. I don't know if I'm going to be on it. As, it's not a for me at all. I might be betting on it, though.
4: Everybody here in, in Vegas is a Sean Watson. He's coming back. I'm not touching this game.
5: There's a good stat for you, though. In the first quarter, in Houston's last eight games, they have seven zeros and a seven. They got shot out in 7 of 8 first quarters and Cleveland's had a good record first quarter so I will be at Cleveland in the first quarter and then I think the lasagna will be coming out of the oven right about then.
6: This Browns-Texans game, I'm on the under. I'm not gonna mess around with a game where there's 7 points but there's a system that I have on my Discord page. It's right around 75% but any spread that is over 7 gives the under a good hard look and it's done well and it's even a better percentage when it's a division opponent and you get into 9 points but we're looking at a 7 point. This is 40. six and a half point over under and you just look at the teams and what their averages are
5: the math don't make it
6: the math don't work let's just say deshaun watson comes in here and gets them above their 24 point average gets them 27 when you throw that with the 15 that houston's averaging it just don't work he is not seen football action for two years
5: thank you for throwing the adjective football in there because he's had plenty of action it just wasn't on a football field
6: the last time he was on the field, his team <laughs> gave up a twenty-eight to nothing lead at Arrowhead, and the stadium ran out of fireworks. Quarterbacks have egos, men have egos, humans have egos, and he's been living with that and all the other controversy. He's gonna be great, and I think that he's gonna take Cleveland over the edge. They are going to be a playoff team every single year. This Sunday, I like That yeah, was the last thing he saw. That's the last game he played. He well, got paid
5: from Houston, but he didn't play.
6: He didn't get that massive contract from Houston. This is his second-
4: <laughs> he, d-
5: he did okay with the Cleveland contract, though.
4: Yeah, I so saw guaranteed money in Cleveland. Every
5: pay- Thanks
2: for joining us tonight,
5: guys.
3: Have
6: a good night,
2: happening. guys. Always be cashing. Sounds Always good. Chaz, Wes, and the two John. Fantastic. Four guys, the four horsemen, and they were fantastic. If you guys did not listen to their picks, well, you just lost a lot of money. Moneyline Mania is the best betting segment in the country. These guys are dead on with their picks. They make you money. You be cashing your checks, baby. Thank you to Chaz, Wes, and John. And John, we will see you guys next week. When we come back, the NBA as the New York Knicks and that organization organization. organization is not very happy right now with Rose estimated to win 37 games this year when a lot of people thought they were going to win more we have not seen growth with RJ Barrett this team can't stay healthy and there is no Donovan Mitchell on this team either he's in Cleveland and winning with Cleveland as the New York Knicks are completely bitter when it comes to the Atlantic Division the New York Islanders not playing pretty good hockey they've lost two games in a row Sorokin did not look good against Nashville the other night but hopefully they get back on the pony and the Rangers losing against bad teams Ranger fans, you should be very disgusted about the team. This team is not what it was last year. Shastarkin is not the same goalie he was last year, the dominant force that he was. But I still think they're a playoff team. I know the Islanders are a playoff team, so when we come back, we'll get into some Ranger and Islander hockey here on the weekend crunch. <laughs> you Ned! We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crouch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download our app, the Worldwide Sports Radio app, on Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. See how quiet I am? Because that is what New York basketball is. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets are finally winning. They have Kyrie Irving back. They had Ben Simmons, and now he's injured. He was playing great basketball. Maybe it's the coaching. Maybe it's just Kevin Durant telling him to get his ass in the game and and play harder. But the New York Knicks, there are signs that this team is not going to win more than 37 games this year. They added Jalen Brunson, who, by the way, was a great add-on. He has been the best player on this nickname. team. Everybody else has been just garbage. Julius Randle's on one game, he's off another. And R.J. Barrett, where we expected him to take two steps forward, the Knicks decided not to trade him for uh, Donovan Mitchell. Maybe they were wrong because R.J. Barrett has not got better. He hasn't built his resume like we thought he was going to. This team has been absolutely horrid. And I can't sit and watch this game anymore, especially with my team. The reason why I can't watch the game because we have stupid people like LeBron James opening his stupid mouth for no good reasons. I still think he's a fantastic player. I'm not going to take away how great he is. Going back to the New York Knicks, I can't watch basketball anymore. This team is not watchable. Tom Thibodeau needs to be fired. Rose needs to be fired. Worldwide West needs to be fired. This team needs to be rebuilt again. If I were the Knicks in the offseason, no matter how good RJ plays in the second half of the season, I'd trade him. I'd trade Julius Randle. I'd rebuild this team around Jalen Brunson who's young. Grimes looks like he's good when he does play. He can pass. He could shoot. Maybe they play him more. Maybe they bring in an Atkinson, help rebuild these young players, try to figure out what's wrong with these young players, and rebuild this team. Because Kenny Atkinson, we've seen do it with the Nets. Tom Thibodeau just is not the right guy for the job. I thought he was going to be. He's not. Basketball in New York, out of all the sports... This is the worst. Right now, New York sports is heading in a very good position. The Yankees and the Mets are good. The Islanders and the Rangers are good. The Jets, the Giants, and the Buffalo Bills are good. But guess what? The Brooklyn Nets, they are a six seed. They're no good. They're not winning. They're still the Barclays Circus. And the New York Knicks, we know they're not winning basketball, which is probably the most popular sport in New York. The Knicks sell out every single game, no matter win or lose. They're losing more than a winning. Brooklyn Nets, they can't put four people in the seats, no matter how good they are. They have their players standing outside the stadium and selling tickets. The Knicks should just be sellers. Trade everything, except Bronson. Mitchell Robinson is still worth keeping, even though he can't stay Alfie. Rhymes, I think they trade R.J. Barrett. I think they need to rebuild. This team is not winning. This team isn't good enough. And Brooklyn, they're going to make the playoffs because they have three stars, but they don't have any depth. They're not beating Boston, not beating Milwaukee or Cleveland or Atlanta. They're not beating any of those teams. And this is assuming the Nets don't have any other incidents during the season. Too. Congratulations <laughs> to the Indiana Pacers, too. They're playing good basketball, and one of their best players is hurt, and they're still winning. And then there's hockey. I'm not going to shoot down the New York Rangers because are they playing top-end hockey right now? They're not. But do I think that the Rangers are better than this? Yes, I do. Do I think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs? Yes, I do. I think they're too good of a team. They have too many offensive weapons, and their goaltender is a lot better than this. They're not this bad. They're 20 semi-games into the season. There's a lot of hockey left. They're making the playoffs. Panera needs to play better. Zabinijag needs to play better. Kreider needs to play better. Shesterkin needs to play better. Their defense needs to play better. There's nothing wrong with this team. This team is still a good team. I really think they let a lot of big pieces go in the offseason. It's hurt them. Losing Mott for nothing was a terrible move by Chris Drury. I didn't like that when I heard that. They lost pieces. I told Ranger fans, as good as Trochik has been, and he's been good, losing four for one, that doesn't help your team. You lost a lot of depth. Yes, they weren't a good face-off team. Didn't matter. They went to the Eastern Conference Championship. No, they still aren't. (laughs) They're better than this. And then there's the Islanders. The Islanders were playing good hockey. I don't know what's happened the last two games. Losing to Nashville again. I think Sorokin was better than he was in that game last night. And the defense is better than they were last night. But they cannot lose back-to-back games. Not against the Nashville Predators. They're a good team. They're not a great team. The Islanders are a good team. They're a good defensive team. A good goaltending team. They're scoring goals. They cannot lose against Nashville back-to-back games. You wonder too,
3: because the Shesterkin last year had this issue with lame. They blew him out the first game seven to one, and then I think they won like four to one in the second game. Asheville for Sorokin might be just his kryptonite in the Western Conference because
2: if you take out those two games, like his numbers look insane. It just those are rigging it right now. I don't know what's going on for both New York teams, but I trust that the Islanders have figured out, and I know the Rangers are better than this. They have two really good hockey teams, and both teams will make the playoffs. You heard it from me. The Rangers and the Islanders will make the playoffs this year. The Rangers are definitely better than this. Back to back games. They blew multiple
3: goal leads, including a three-goal lead to Edmonton last week.
2: They're not that bad. I don't think the Islanders losing two games, something we haven't seen the Islanders do in a while, I don't think they're this bad either. But the Devils are in first place still, and they're still winning, and the Islanders and Rangers are trailing. But good hockey is going to be coming very, very soon for the New York team. I'm not worried about it. It's basketball what I worry about. I've watched five New York Knicks games I can't even watch. They're not even watchable anymore. I can't watch them anymore. I'm a Nick fan, and I watch five minutes of it. I said, I'm done. They go down by 10 within five minutes. They don't play defense. Tom Thibodeau, who preaches D this and D that, nobody's playing defense. And they fall behind too quick, and then they play catch-up. And then when they catch up, then the team scores 20 more points to put them back behind again. I can't watch it anymore. It's non-watchable. And by the way, three years of Rose— if they don't win more than 37 games this year, you got to fire. You have to fire Rose. You have to fire World Wide West. Again, we're going to go into this offseason with no GM, no president, no coach, no nothing. This is the New York Knicks, an organization that was built for winning in the 90s with Pat Riley and Jeff Van Gundy. I can't watch the Knicks anymore. It's horrible basketball. It's not watchable basketball. And the Brooklyn Nets, they're a clown show. Shout out to Ben Simmons for the games that he has been playing, and he's been playing hard, but now he's not healthy. But I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are any good either. When we come back, Speedy, what do we got? Hey, wrench time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the L.I. News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to Android and searching Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And because iOS is not working, all you have to do is is check out our website, www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our show, The Sports Loud Mouths, every Wednesday and Thursday, this week, Tuesday. Fantastic show, great guests, laughing, fun guests that can call the show and argue with us. It is as good of a sports radio show as there is in New York. So check it out. Every single week. At all our shows. We have a Buffalo Bills show. We have a Jets show. We have a betting show. We have so many shows on our network. Great content. So check it out. Every single week on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. United States soccer is back, baby. The second youngest team in the tournament. And they are now in the Sweet 16 of the tournament. This is one of the youngest teams we've ever seen the United States produce in a tournament. And by the way, four years from now... It will be in America. The World Cup will be here in America. There will be games played in MetLife Stadium. This team will be a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and this will be the first United States team in history ranked in the top 10 in the world. And being that this is the first time it's in the United States in about 20-some-odd years, maybe the United States wins the World Cup. Even
3: looking at this year, this is, I think, the first time in over 20 years that they didn't lose a single of the group play games. They had two draws and they had a win against Iran, too. And even that England game, they outplayed England, a much better team, with scoring chances, with quality shots on target, too. And in this game against Iran, too, they beat them 12-4 to in that department, too. So they're getting a lot of scoring. Christian Pulisic, their best player, Playing through a pelvic injury. You gotta be very impressed with him. Young player
2: too, plays for Chelsea. Sorry, a
3: German born player, I believe he is, plays for Chelsea, who's been a good Premier League team in the past. He's got a, a good future. They got Sargent. Wheel looks very good as a striker too. He's had some very good pass against England as well. We have you know, a Long doing...
2: Islander on that team, too. They made the to the final
3: 16, the knockout stages played against the Netherlands earlier today. Impressive to see what this young team could do. They're one of the youngest teams, like you were saying, and have a very bright future. Not a country that's known for soccer, for sure, but
2: they're on the up and up. The United States had a great tournament. They got knocked off by a very good Netherland team, and this is what happens to a young team. I believe this team is going to be a team to be reckoned with four years from now, being that it's going to be in the United States, but a fantastic, fantastic tournament for the United States team. Absolutely, and the Netherlands Losing that kind
3: of game that They've been a powerhouse for a while The Final Four in 2014 They were Elite Eight team in 2018 And they've been a soccer powerhouse That's always been their best sport So no shame in that They played hard A
2: lot of great effort across They great hustle Great young team Now ladies and gentlemen As everybody waits for this Every single week Speedy Crunch time
0: It's time for Crunch time Gotta oh, oh. see the pitch
3: all right, we'll start crunch time with the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. Buy or sell the Jets. will hold Justin Jefferson under
2: 100 receiving yards. Absolutely buy it, ladies and gentlemen. We've seen it. Darius Slate did it for Philadelphia, and I expect this game to be another one of those games. I love DJ Reed. If DJ Reed's taking him, if Michael Carter's taking him, or if it's saucy sauce, I believe they will hold Justin Jefferson under 100 yards. Absolutely believe it. I am going to sell that one
3: only because even though the Bills and the Patriots don't have better secondaries than the Jets they still made it very tough on them and Justin Jefferson was still making some tough catches in double teams too and I expect the Jets to do a lot of that too. Now They play a lot of man to man but I do think Jefferson is going to win some tough battles. Now he's not going to go off for 150 or something like that but I still think he gets over 100 because he is targeted a lot. Over 10 targets a game on average so I am going to sell that one. I think he still gets 100 but the Jets will Make it tough on him. All right, buy or sell. Aaron Judge will get more than an eight-year, three hundred thirty million dollars contract.
2: Absolutely buy it. I can't see that he doesn't. Right now, he had an opportunity to sign with the Yankees. They gave him an eight-year, $330 million contract. I think San Francisco is going to blow it out of the water, so I buy it.
3: Yeah, I'm going to buy that one, too. I think there's still going to be some level of bidding warranty. you might think it's only Yankees and Giants 50-50 for now, and yeah, that's probably still the probability of it, but don't believe that other teams are not going to force either of their hands to make the big markets overpay like that, so I am absolutely going to buy that one as well. Alright, let's go to college football. With USC losing now, Ohio State likely to make the playoffs. Buyers. We will
2: see a Michigan-Ohio State matchup in the college football playoff. I would love to see that in the championship game. That would be fantastic. And maybe Ohio State gets them this time. But it's been fantastic to watch Michigan. And Michigan loses their star running back. He's out for the season with the knee surgery. So that does hurt Michigan in the tournament. The final four tournament of the best college football team. So I doubt it because I don't trust Michigan. Half their offense is gone for the season. So I don't know if Michigan gets out of their round to go to the championship game.
3: Yeah, I'm going to sell that one, too. Now, I know you have a lot of confidence with Ohio State, uh, potentially, against I Georgia, but I, I still think Georgia is still going to be a very tough defense. Ohio State, having not been a trustworthy defense, especially in that secondary, that did not look good against Michigan. and has not looked good against teams like Penn State, either. I think Michigan, even with their defense, might be able to grind out a win against TCU. I don't know if I trust Ohio State to do that, so I am going to sell that one. All right, buy or sell? A.J. Brown will have 100-plus yards and 5-plus
2: catches against his former team. Buy it. A.J. Brown knows his former team. He wants Wants to stick it to them. They didn't want to sign him. They didn't want to give him that long-term deal. Philadelphia did. And now he's flying in Philly absolutely buy it. I am going to sell it. I mentioned I'd like Mike Rabel to be able to know what
3: to do against him. He's a great defensive mind. The Titans secondary. Yeah, it's young, but I do think that Kevin is one of the best safeties that could help bracket him. I usually give that edge to the coach. So in this case, I am going to sell that. One more interesting college football rumor. Deion Sanders looks like he's on the way potentially to be a
2: Colorado head coach by herself. That will happen. It's going to happen. He wants to go to a team that he can get recruits and they have the money for recruits. Jackson does not have the money. They don't have any deep pockets. Colorado does. They will open up their pockets for him to recruit, and that's why he's going to Colorado. I absolutely buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy that
3: one, too. They need a, a miracle. A lot of these Pac-12 teams do at this point. Colorado's been a good basketball school, but nowhere close to being a good football school. Not even consistent at any point. So, yeah, why not bring a name that will bring up some flash of that and get some transfer portal guys? I will definitely buy that. All right, buy or sell? The Mets will end up with
2: Justin Verlander now that they lost to Grom. I buy it. They have to. They lose out on Verlander. Where are they going to go? They have Max Scherzer. doesn't make sense. They need Verlander or they need Rodon. They need one or the other. I think Rodon will be too expensive. I think he's going to want a lot of money. He might get Jacob deGrom kind of money because of his youth and his left-handed power. He's a power pitcher, so I'm buying it. I'm going to buy it. I don't necessarily want it. I want them to bid for Rodon,
3: even if they do have to overpay for him a little bit because I think he's a young, controllable pitcher. He's been healthy the last couple of years, but I do feel like being with Max Scherzer being there, his former teammate in Detroit, uh, he wants to make that kind of money. I think the Mets, that will be a move that they can cave into. So I don't want it to happen, but I feel like that's a very Steve Cohen thing to do. I will buy it. All right, last one. OBJ will sign
2: with the New York Giants. I want it to happen, but I'm going to... Say- They're not winning anything this year. He wants to win. It's either the Cowboys or the Bills. It makes a lot of sense to the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is willing to pay him and extend him, so I'm going to sell
3: it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. This is a very Dallas move. They love the big name. Odell Beckham still the most popular players in the league, and again, he could definitely be a useful player in that team. Michael Gallup who could be an outside receiver, more of a bigger body type. Mike McCarthy does a lot of three receiver sets. From a football standpoint, it makes sense for them, too. Still, so it makes the most sense for him to go to the Giants to be a number one receiver, but I do think Dallas will be the team that signed him. Buffalo, I agree with you. I think they're the third team on the list, but I think Dallas will end up getting him. Unfortunately, I will sell it.
2: And that ladies and gentlemen is crunch time This is what we do We are nothing but here for the fans We want to give you the best product we possibly can We don't skip weeks We're here to give you what we can give you And I'm just very happy to be here And give you my best I want to thank Pete Bursick The voice of the Vikings Radio Network And also former Vikings linebacker So shout out to him He's fantastic Moneyline Mania Thank you Chaz and your team Your four horsemen as Wes and John and Jonathan join us again. That was fantastic. Thank you to all the fans that listen to us. Keep following us. Check us out. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows, the Sports Loudmouths. We're very happy to entertain everybody, and we're very happy to be the voices of Long Island Sports and Sports Radio here in New York. So thank you. We are not in competition with all the big radio stations and the radio shows around there from Craig Carton and... Evan Roberts and Michael K. We're not challenging any of them. We just are happy to be a part of them. So it's fantastic. We love what we do. Thank you to all the fans. We'll be back next week on Saturday, as always. Good night, everybody.